Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yo. (laughs) Hey, it's rough times over here, dude. Dude, you're a fucking mess. It is rough. (laughs) Oh, fatherhood, dude. You know, you wear it well. Um, My mom (laughs) literally just got here. The dog's freaking out. I didn't even get a chance to transfer the baby to her. She's going to babysit for a few hours. So I can go get my hair cut and shave, maybe take a shower today. Wow. Big time. Big time. Yep. But hey, I say it's rough. It's actually the best of times. Right. I mean, it it is. I'm not joking. Sure. Whatever you say, pal. (sighs) (laughs) Never felt so alive. It's so intense. (laughs) Right. Right. It's going to be okay. Yeah, I'll survive. We got a good partner, so it's uh dividing the work dividing the workload by you know in half is um significant help. Yeah, you're a smart man. Thank you. All the right things. Saying all and the by, right things. Yeah, and by <laughs> dividing it in half, I mean I do 20%. Exactly. You mean you're not going on a surf trip? Well, no, but I'm up here recording a podcast and I walk down just to grab my coffee she's breastfeeding so, or um pumping so she's got pumps on each breast and the baby's sitting in the middle like rocking the baby so she's doing, she's doing right. god bless her god bless her yeah all right well as we see some movement at the takeoff zone it's kelly slater grabbing rail a clean entry this thing holding open it spits when it spit me i thought it was going to spit me off my board comes out with the spit spits him out comes out after the spit gets spat out of another good looking wave here spit 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 we're just spitballing right yeah i got Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. It's Spit. It is the Spit Podcast. It's Tuesday, January 11th. It's 8 in the morning here in Southern California. And I'm Scott Bass, along with our illustrious father and co-host, David Lee Scales. Welcome, David. Good morning. Uh, New father, but you're the pod father, technically. So a couple of fathers here. Hey, it's... um, 11 days, as you stated, into the new year. And listeners want to know, how many surfboards have you purchased in 2022 thus far? 
Well, that's interesting. Um, the answer is zero. Um, I did send Taylor Knox a, uh, something on Instagram yesterday, like, dude, I'll just buy your used board. How much for your used board? <laughs> he's got a board that I want that he let me ride, and I'm, I'm kind of jonesing for it. And uh, he's ghosted me. He's just like, no, no comment. I'm off. So to- I know the board you're talking about. You talk about riding it in Mexico with him. Um, didn't you order one from Chris Borst? I think I did. I mean, I, I, I sent him a thing. It was like, Hey, where should I send the money? You know? And he, I'm, it was just kind of like, yeah, no problem. Okay. We'll get it going. You know? And I haven't, haven't had any follow up from him. Um, so That's I've had an interesting, as it relates to Borst. Yeah. Incidentally, um, this is a broader conversation and I'm going to have it throughout the year, I think with different people interviewing them, but we've talked in the past about hand shapers and the shaping machine. And the, the kind of thought was, Oh yeah, hand shapers, it's art. And then the machine, it's kind of uh, it's science and there's no soul in it. I think there's a new category that's emerged in the past five years. And Chris probably is the best example of it, which is an artist who uses the machine. You know, like he's so good and adept at uh, what he's doing, mainly from a design. I don't mean the machine itself. I mean, from a design standpoint that well, it's it's transferred into the realm of artistry. Yeah, these, this is actually, you're right. This is a great um, discussion to be had, right? And, and I will say this, and I don't know enough about it to speak with uh, any sort of complete authority, but from what I've learned... Um, I would, Chris uh, Borst is, has got technology that nobody else has. Like he's like an engineer and I can't speak for Chris, but I wonder if he might bristle a little bit at the artist moniker and he might maybe, again, I can't speak for him. Perhaps uh, we should interview him, <laughs> but I think he might rather have the moniker of engineer attached totally. to him rather than artist. Um, and that's not to say that what he's creating and, or not to say that engineers can't be artistic. Cause I think you do get to a place where it's like, holy crap, you know, like, I mean, even if you look at, um, who was the guy that did those drawings of helicopters way back in like the 16th century da Vinci, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I mean, that could be considered art, you know, but back then he was like engineer, I'm going to, you know, so the thing about what I've learned from Taylor about Chris is that his machine is unlike any others. He has an engineering background. He's like super smart, um, like science guy. And from what I've heard, his machine can spit out a board ready to be glassed. Like Chris doesn't even have to touch it. And in fact, he doesn't want it because he's got it so dialed that he's like, that's the board right there. There's no need, you know, now you did mention something earlier, um, which is, you know, that was sort of poo pooed and, Frankly, I was one of the guys poo-pooing it about 15 years ago, which is why Sacred Craft started. And it wasn't against the machine, but it was against the culture of the Southern California shaper getting sort of sidelined by this stuff coming in from Asia. That was sort of like the, you know, like I just felt like the culture was getting overrun and or getting forgotten, you know, like the, the Craig Hollingsworths of the world, the Matt Moores of the world, the the um you know the uh whoever you know the doug houts of the world that all of these 
you know, hundreds of incredible shapers who come from the shaping tree of, you know, Dick Brewer as the seed of all of these guys. And it all spreads from all of these, you know, from, you know, Tommy Zahn and from friggin' Joe Quigg. Like, you know, like I just felt like I was like, oh my God, that whole thing is just getting pushed to the side. You walk into the surf shop in 2008 and you see all this weird stuff from Asia. And, and those, and that was just, look, that's a long conversation about 2005 and Clark Foam closing and blah, blah, blah. And it goes on and should probably be written down in a really well-researched form. But what I was getting at is that's no longer the case. The case is now is that we have a booming, robust um, Pacific Coast and frankly, North American shaper industry. Like there's a bunch of us and they're everywhere. There's you and me and we work in the industry and it's really, um, like I say, it's robust. So um, you know, times are changing and it's, and it's, and Chris Borst, I think is fascinating. And I would also say this, I think there's a lot of those sort of like, um, I don't know, how would you characterize them, but sort of like hardcore hand shaper guys that are like very, very interested in what Chris Borst is doing. Oh, totally. Cause yeah. they're, they're like, wow, man, this is like pretty cool shit, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think because they've recognized exactly what we're talking about, the machine wasn't, isn't just being used anymore to hit volume and to outsource. It's now being used uh, to improve upon like these very subtle refinements, you know, from the design kind of standpoint, and then just being able to uh, manufacture it on the machine itself. But the design is kind of where the focus is for guys like Chris. And I agree that some him included might not love the name the the title of artistry but there is a at a certain level of um engineering it becomes poetry you know math yeah. Yeah. math at its kind of uh, highest level is poetic and you start those mathematicians see the poetry in it and that's how they're able to execute um and so that's kind of what i think i'm referring to and yeah. So I think it's interesting. And yeah, the conversation about the machine being vilified is almost, I haven't even heard for the last five years. I think everybody's accepted its value, but now this thing that I'm talking about is kind of the next evolution, you know, where there are these uh, mathematician type engineers. A couple of things. Um, what was that movie? Wasn't it called like a brilliant mind or something? A, be a beautiful mind. A beautiful mind. Crowd. Yeah. That sort of yeah. speaks to the artistry and mathematics. And then, the other thing that I think this conversation parallels is big wave surfing and the towing phenomenon that occurred, say, in 2000, around. 19. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, and what you had is, you know, you had Laird and Dave Kalama and these guys putting out this movie. They put out a movie called uh, All Aboard the Crazy Train or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And it was basically them going, hey, everybody, hold on. Just because you got a ski and, uh, you know, a tow rope and a tow board doesn't mean you're you're qualified to be surfing out here at Jaws. We can't have 150 guys on skis out here just, that just went to Costco and bought a ski and a, and a, you know, a board. And, and what happened, and it was all quite, you know, a natural evolution. What happened is um, there was sort of this, hey, let's see if you can actually paddle into these waves. If you can paddle into these big waves, then, you know what, if you feel it's, not paddleable anymore and it's time for a ski then okay or if you just feel like like kai lenny we know he can paddle and do it but he wants to get on a foil with a friggin' wingsuit and do some crazy shit no one's going to bark at him 
because he can paddle the wave. And I think that's the case with shapers. Like if you can hand shape and, and everyone knows it, everyone in the culture, it's a small little society yeah. we live in here. Uh, everyone knows that you can hand shape, then use the machine. Yeah. And, you know, as, but if you're like Johnny machine guy, who's afraid of, who's never put in, you know, has never done a hundred boards by, you know, whatever the number is, then it's kind of like, Oh, okay. You know what? You know, it's looked at a little bit skeptically, I think. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. It's been an interesting evolution. Um, so to answer my question, you've bought yeah. zero boards in 2022, but you've attempted to buy two. <laughs> yeah. Well, one and a yeah. half. Yeah. I mean, I, there's definitely a board I want, but what's funny is that as it looks like the high pressure in the North Pacific broke down and there's some swell potentially coming our way for the next week or whatever, we'll see. I don't think it's going to be that big, but that's another topic. Um, I've gone back to one of my, you know, go-to winter boards, which is my Ryan Sakel Sabre twin fin. And I broke it out the other day and I was just like, oh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it feels like the first time, you know, that foreigner song. I was I like, did. oh yeah, this is, you know, what it's all about. And, yeah. and I brought, and I, I had some keel fins and I put my NVS uh, C drive fins in it and got it all waxed up and prepped. And I wrote it just to kind of get it under my feet again. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this board works really good. It's and, the, yeah. When you have the good thing about having a large quiver as you and I both do is those boards stay fresh, you know, like you probably, you did ride that saber a lot, but then it went on ice. And so it's still a year later, it still has a lot of that zing and pop and fresh feeling to it. Um, I also feel that way. It feels like the first time whenever I revisit the C drive fins, cause I'll swap them out for whatever reason. And I'll just get comfortable and complacent riding what I'm riding. And then I put the C drives back in and it's like, Oh yeah, I love these things. I should be riding these things all the time. You know? Yeah. I'm, I was, uh, now might be a good time to just mention NVS as one of our sponsors and, um, but I, I, would, I wouldn't ride the fins if I didn't love them. And I've told those guys that, you know, and, uh, I'm pretty psyched on them. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, Hawaii hap is happening. We got lots to discuss there. The Burley board rider single fin event is happening. Where would you like to begin this? Oh, stab surfer of the year. We have some updates there. Where would you like to begin? Um, you know what, anywhere you want, I will say that at some point, you know, last week we spoke about, um, Derek Hines sort of breakdown of the tour coming up and who's moving up and who's moving down. And I haven't done that, but I have brought some bullet points to a conversation that you and I can have about the surfers that we think um, are going to going to make the mid-season cutoff and the surfers who will not make the mid-season cutoff and let's do it um, we can go there if you're interested so I'm interested okay so um, the season's going to kick off here in February at Pipe and then it goes to Sunset and then it goes to Portugal and then it goes to whole uh, Australia I think there's the Bells event and the Margaret River event two events in Australia so those five events are the first half of the season. And after those five events, there is a mid-season cutoff. They go from 36 surfers to 24 surfers on the championship tour. Now, because they have this, um, you know, the final five thing, I thought we would start there, David. So, and we spoke a little bit about this last week. Surfers in the top five, David, most likely that will not make the cutoff and I've positioned these um, 
and I'm not saying that they won't make the cutoff because these guys are in the top five. They're incredible. But so the, you know, the odds or the percentages that they don't make the top 24 are, are pretty high. Um, but if I suggested to you of those five, I sense that based on the schedule I just put in front of you, that Morgan Sibillic is the surfer in the top five, most likely to not make the cut from 36 to 24. Where, where do you see Morgan? What is his percentages? Do you think that he's, that that's just a silly argument that he's good enough to no matter what he'll be in the top 24. Out of the top, if I had to pick one surfer out of the top five, I would agree with you. He's the most likely to not make it. Um, he is a very good surfer, but so much I think of his scoring this year was based on the fact that we had never heard of him before. And it was all novelty or I mean, novelty in the sense that it was new. Um, so there's a sophomore slump that happens. that's pretty well documented. So he can be affected by that. And part of that is the freshness on the judge's eyes. You know, we kind of know what to expect to him. There's high expectations. And so for him to be able to live up to that, ultimately he's got to be going to the air probably because if he just keeps bringing the same game that he brought, it's going to score a point or two less than it did last year. Well, he surprised us in many ways um, in sort of his, um, I mean, he didn't seem like a rookie, you know, like he had sort of a, a moxie about him in the water that you went, wow, this guy's really performing, you know, like, cause we could, you know, we were kind of like, you know, the third event or whatever, like, okay, let's really see what this guy has. And he kept bringing it. And, yeah. um, but you do have to bring into consideration the sophomore slump and the pressure that's put on him. And the fact that last year was at Newcastle and yeah, um, that's huge. That's a great know, point. How, how's he going to do it? Pipe and sunset ultimately. Right. And has he ever traveled to Portugal? Probably has. Most of these surfers are world travelers, but. But um, he's kind yeah. of really, he, he settled into his contract at a time when there was no traveling. So there's an argument could be made that he actually hasn't been to Portugal. So he's the full wild card of those top five. That's the one that I think we both agree are, uh, isn't going to make it. If, if there is going to be one, it, he could, you could easily see him going into the last event before the cutoff at Margaret river needing to like win it <laughs> to get through. So, so a couple of examples of who this has happened to in the past, Connor O'Leary, you know, came out guns blazing, making finals and stuff in his rookie year and then failed to requalify uh, during his sophomore year. Um, Ethan Ewing didn't do as well as first year, but he had that much hype. I'd argue even more talent than Morgan and failed to requalify. Jack Freestone had a similar trajectory. There's kind of a long list of this happening. And with each of those, they were more exciting than Morgan to me. So I think Morgan could easily fall into that trap. Um, but whatever, we'll, we'll see. I don't want to, I don't want to really put too yeah. much shade on him, but no, I don't either. I'm just bringing this. I, I guess, I guess the argument, him not making the top five, I would bet money on or him not making the top 10. I would make, bet money on even, but him not uh, making the cutoff is a little farther of a grasp, but it's, well, I'm, I'm just asking you to put a percentage on it, you know, like I 20, think 22%. Yeah. yeah I was 22.5. <laughs> you know what I mean? 22.5% that Morgan doesn't make the cutoff. And, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we'll see how it goes. The yeah. other two that I threw on there, 
you know, we mentioned Felipe would be like the crazy one that didn't make it. And that's pretty that'd be, much, that'd be a big money, big money because that the odds, would be a big payoff. That would be a yeah, big payoff. So the argument, I mean, the reality is, um, even if he does poorly at the first two events, which we, I would bet that he will, he's such a tenacious competitor that he'll make up that ground in Portugal and in uh, Australia. And then the other one of those five that I threw on there just for discussion is Connor Coffin, because he sort of punched above his weight class last year. Is that, is that being too critical of him or would you agree with that? It's a very fair statement. And so the thing is though, with Connor is that he has experience in Hawaii. I could see him getting, you know, to the quarterfinals of pipe. That's not a long shot at all. He's done well there. And of course, Sunset is just the wild card that it is. No one knows, you know, but, but his but Connor, surfing suits Sunset. Totally, totally, yeah. totally agree. So anyway, let's move on. So the surfers in the top six through 20, you know, number six through 20 right now, as they're rated, most likely that would not make the cutoff, that would not make the top 24. This is kind of, you know, look, there's a lot that we could go into here. Um, I, I'll throw some names out and you tell me what you think. <laughs> Ethan Ewing, Leonardo Fioravanti, Frederico Marias, Jadson Andre. Those four, they're ranked between 10 and 19 right now. I, you know, maybe we're getting too deep into the woods here. I So uh, let me tell you the ones that I don't want to see make the cutoff. Okay. This is purely based, not on their skill level, but on our ability to enjoy the podcast, the broadcast. On our... On our, yeah, on our ability to enjoy watching a competitive heat. That's right. what it's based on. Frederico right. Marias, ditch him. Don't need him anymore. But he could do good at, in the first couple of events. Which I mean, is a failure he of win the sunset. Which is sunset. a yeah, it's a failure of the judging <laughs> format if he wins sunset. <laughs> I don't know. Sunset's a different beast. Sunset's a different beast. I think there's that's the one he, way where won. you're like Frederico. I'm okay with Frederico winning, like his style of surf. He's kind of like the big Ocker Simon guy that, you know. I know. And he's won the triple crown actually, if memory yeah. serves. And it's so well. if not, it was the triple crown rookie maybe of the year that he won or something, but um, yeah, he's, he's a totally talented surfer. His fundamentals are sound. It's just not thrilling to watch. You know, he's not exciting to watch. Um, David Silva, I could do away with, I would throw Jadson in this conversation too, except he freaking continues to, I root for him. I see him and he does something so insane. It was at sunset two or two years ago where he requalified needing to make like some crazy result, like the semifinals, you know, and you would never put money on Jadson. And then he went out there and just did it. And he does that all the time. And so despite him having ugly style and his surfing being, um, you could kind of, sub him out with a number of other Brazilian goofy footers who kind of have the same approach, David yeah. Silva, Miguel Pupo. Um, I still root for him. I find myself rooting for him. So I would like to keep him in there just as a wild card. Uh, Yago Dora, unfortunately is out with injuries. So he's ranked number ninth. Oh yeah. He had surgery. So he's going to be out. I'm not sure who will be actually Matt McGillivray. Maybe will be replacing him. Uh, yeah, I think he's Matt... number 35 on the list right now. He's ranked. 35th. Okay. Okay. They don't, they don't have anything about Yago being out on the tour here, but on the tour yeah, he announced it on Instagram, which makes it official. 
Um, right. And then Leonardo Fioravanti, I'm mixed about. You know, I have moments where I think he's fantastic addition, and then there's moments where he just delivers the same predictable surfing that so many others, Jeremy Flores, Tiago Perez, guys like that, have in the past. So. Yeah. Well, I I wasn't doing this list off. I was kind of just doing this list off of, based off the first five events, you know. And um, I agree, Jadson. Look, how fun would it be? <laughs> Maybe this is a stretch if he was in the final five at the end of the year. Wild. It'd be so wild. It is a stretch, though. <laughs> okay. Now, here's an interesting one, right? So Stab did a little interview with Jordy. You may have seen it. And um, he kind of talked about he's got a new kid. They're flying eventually to Hawaii, they'll get there. And his focus is winning pipe and sunset. Would it surprise you if Jordy Smith did not make the, the cut? It would very much surprise me. I see him on the rise this year. Do you see him on the rise? <laughs> hey, this is the ninth year in a row that we have had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in our, it's our obligatory conversation every January. <laughs> You know what I mean? And Usually I'm writing him off, but for some reason this year I feel like he's matured. Okay. And we need to promise to not we need to promise to not have this conversation for a tenth year in a row. So Jordy, this is your last, this is your last time that you are gonna bait us into this debate. The reality is you and I want to have this conversation because we both love his surfing so much and he's yeah. so talented. He's, he's right in that conversation of the greatest surfers to have never won a world title. And um, so, yes, I would be, it would be tragic if he didn't make the cutoff. It would be tragic if he never won a world title. If you really pick apart his surfing, you could make the argument that he can win the world title, put him next to Gabe Idolo, um, John, John Florence. He's got as much power, if not more. He's as adept in the air as any of them. I mean, he really is. You think of you think of Idolo, you think of John John, but go back and look at Jordy from I, ten look, years ago. Okay, ten years ago, Jordy, fine. But even Jordy's still, thirty four years old, and he's beefing up. I'm not saying he doesn't have. He's lean. He's leaned out. He's actually leaned out. But he, I'm just saying, he's thirty four. I mean, you got to take that into consideration. The one thing that he doesn't quite have the same prowess as those guys in is backside barrels. Going right, he will absolutely go toe-to-toe with any of those guys at the box or North Point or back door. But backside in general, and specifically barrels, I don't see him going toe-to-toe at Chopu. I don't see him doing it at G-Land with those guys, bobbing, weaving, all that stuff. So that's his Achilles heel. But uh, I, I agree. I read that article, and I wanted to put money on him. The other thing that he's doing right now is a series that's um, produced by O'Neill and they're kind of like a vlog type thing. They're following him around. They documented his injury that he got in, uh, in South Africa surfing. And I love that. I'm watching that series and I'm going, man, Jordy, he's looking fit. Everything he's saying is right. I feel like he's in the right headspace. He's got married. He has the kids, but he's settled past that. Now he can refocus on the tour. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't put money on him, but I wouldn't write him off. That's. Yeah. I sort of have like a, like an old guy bromance, you know, like I, yeah. I want to root for the old guy on tour and plus he's rootable. Like he's got the game. Totally. So to me, I'm like, you know, he, he's like the underdog story, believe it or not. I, I see Jordy as sort of an underdog. Like when I'm, I'm like, okay, root for the underdog. 
that means Jadson. That means Jordy for me, those two guys, you know. Jadson's probably um, older than Jordy. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So Jordy, he doesn't have the grit. You know, like he's he's been on tour for 15 years. He's been making millions of dollars for that long. And so I think that you lose a little bit of, I don't know, just that steely desire. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that those young guys, you know, it's all still new to Idolo. It's all still Gabriel, maybe not, not as much. Um, so that's the other thing that I worry about with Jordy, but you know, he could be operating from a different purpose now. So here's a surfer in the top six through 20 that may not make the cutoff. And we talked about him last week, Kelly. Yeah. What are the percentages What's the percentage you put on Kelly Slater not making the cutoff, not being one of the top 24 after the first five events? The percentage is less. The percentage of him not making it is less than Morgan Sibilic. So he gave Morgan 22.5% that he wouldn't requalify. I'm saying Kelly's 18% that he won't wow. requalify. I would say it's way less than that. I mean, you know, we talked about the five events last week with him too. I just, here's an interesting he's, thing. He's a, shoot, he's a shoot. He's a shoot at pipe. Yeah. I wouldn't put money on him for sunset. No, he could, he could finish last or second to last at sunset Portugal. It's kind of a mix up. Like he could do well there or he could get 17th or ninth. So, and then does he even go to Australia? I mean, a ninth, a ninth isn't a bad thing. If you're trying to make the cutoff, you're trying to make the top 24. Yeah, that's true. A second you know, 17th and a ninth, and then you go to uh, Bells and West Oz. So anyway, yeah. I, I think it's more like 5% that he doesn't make the cutoff. I, I mean, it's Kelly Sutter. One of the, there's another article that Mitchell Shepard wrote on Stab about Kelly's career. I'm sure you saw it. Um, and one of the interesting things to me is that, and this is from Mitchell, over the past five years, Kelly's only strung together one full season of events. And that full year was 2019 when he finished in eighth place. And as Mitchell writes, that's likely a better reflection of his current ability to finish the season in eighth place. I found that interesting. Only one year of full season uh, in the past five. It's super interesting. I don't think that's uh, comparable to his current state. You don't think he's a top 10? Barely. I mean, when you read the names, Gabriel, Felipe, Idolo, uh, Griffin, Jordy, Kanoa, those are guys that I, you know, I could see besting Kelly across the venues. Kelly could beat him at pipe or some of those guys he could best at pipe. He could best at when the waves are good and eight feet. But for the most part, those guys are more fiery at this point. Are you, do you have any of that old guy bromance for Kelly Slater, who's 50 freaking years old. He's a five. Oh, he's 50 years old, man. I have so much of it, but I've learned to shed it over doing years of this podcast and him, you know, disappointing. I, I mean, I just, I kind of, I see it more. I've lost some of the um, adoration or veneration that I had from a, my youth and just kind of see the stats more now. And the reality is he hasn't won an event in a very long time. He hasn't won a world title since in 10 years, you know? And so I'm not basing my 
love of him, or I'm not basing my predictions on my love of him anymore. Yeah. Uh, but again, the waves get good and at pipe and Chopu and there's, and Jay Bay, even there's really, he's, he's in, the in the top, top three. Yeah. Yeah. Top three, exactly. top three, top five. So at, in big barreling waves, it's him, John, John and Gabriel. Yeah. And then Jack oh. Robinson might be throwing a few punches. Oh yes, he is for sure. Come on. So there are surfers in the bottom tiers uh, right now, ranked 20 through 35. Let's flip it over. Let's switch it up a little bit. I've got four guys who I think are most likely to make the cut, to make like the top it. 24 at the midpoint cutoff. And the obvious one to me is Owen Wright. He's ranked 34th in the world. Owen Wright makes the cut. He's coming off of injury. That's why that ranking is so low. He's getting the wild card injury. He's got pipe. He's got sunset. He's got Portugal where I think he's won. He's got, um, you know, then Australia. So yeah, I don't, I wouldn't bet on him for sunset. No, I mean, you can't really bet on anyone except for Jack Robinson. I feel like. And John, John. Yeah. Um, other surfers I, I could see making the move. Seth Moniz. Mm-hmm. He moves and makes it into the top 24. He's ranked 21st right now, which is of course within that number, but Seth Moniz is a guy who I think makes the cut. Here's one you're not going to like. I could see Nat Young making the cut, and here's why. He's got tons of experience in Hawaii. He's been going to Hawaii since the NSS, since he won the NSSA like 30 years ago. Um, really, that's the reason. I mean, if he gets two solid years ago, it's been a long time. Yeah, yeah. He was the NSSA Open champion in like 2000 or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so Nat Young, I know he's sort of interchangeable, as you mentioned earlier in the pod about, you know, with other guys, but, um, I could see Nat Young making that just based on his competitive prowess and his experience in Hawaii. My two picks from that bottom tier of surfers are Carlos Munoz and Emi Kalani. No, Eli (laughs) Kalani DeVault. Those are the two guys that I see like actually having, um, yeah. Not only the talent, but there's like a chutzpah, like a certain thrill to their surfing that I think just um, brings big scores from the judges. Yeah, the last one you mentioned, the Hawaiian youngster, um, Ima Kalani DeVault. To me, it all depends on his two Hawaiian events. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the feeling is, well, of course, he's Hawaiian. He's going to do great. But that's what I said about Seth Moniz last year, Pipe, yeah. and he lost. Yeah, like Seth Moniz is like a pipe local, like of the local guys, Seth gets what, you know, and he didn't do it. So I'm concerned about just immediately assuming that DeVault's going to do well at pipe. You know, there's almost like this. Well, of course, it's your local break, you're, you know, that that puts a little bit of kind of like what um, <clears throat> our Tahitian friend would have at Chopu. Michel. Michel Barrett, where you're like, why hasn't he done well? Because there's almost too much. He's the local guy vibe put upon his shoulders. Emai's from Maui. There's a little less expectation from Emai than there is from the legacy of the Moniz family. So he might not have some the same level of pressure as those guys did. But I watched him surf Haliva um, two days ago. Saw the footage from you know Haliva got big and kind of unruly and real exciting. 
it's freaking shredding out there, you know? And it reminded me, and I, I remember seeing this kid, he was on Volcom back in the day when he was real young, 13 years old. And back then I was like, whoa, this kid, watch out for him. He kind of disappeared. So to now see him living up to that potential uh, is a reminder of what I saw in him when he was 13. And so I, I have hopes for him, but he could fall yeah. apart. Like competitive, that's the thing. The world tour is a totally different animal. And a lot of people have a hard time translating that bravado or that like brash talent into competitive results. So he could fall into that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's the big sort of unknown in all of this is my own personal, and this is on me, but my own personal, um, my inability to understand where these guys psyche is. I know where their physical talents are. I've seen that on display. You mentioned to vault at Haliva a couple of days ago, but who's got the, Adriano de Souza, that's just like mm-hmm. bulldog. If I lose, I go back to washing dishes vibe. And um, it's I'll hard. tell you who does. Yeah. Carlos Munoz. I agree with that. I would agree. That's kind of that. why. And he, it all remains to be seen. He doesn't even know yet, but I think he's done all the work and preparation. If he doesn't translate that to results this year, then yeah. I would uh, abandon that bet. For, yeah, the, and, for the future years, you know, it's like either it's all ne- it's now or never. And I think he's seen the dark side of not doing doing well. Yeah. You know, he had a moment a couple of years ago where like Volcom dropped him and it was just yeah. like, guess what? You're now giving surf lessons in Tamarindo, you know, and well, like you that said, that's bad or anything, but that's not really how he planned it. Like you said, back to washing dishes. Yeah. Jordy, yeah. Jordy doesn't have that uh, sense of urgency. Right. So those are some guys, of course, I'm throwing Jake Marshall in there too, uh, making the top 24 and, um, you know, there's, well, look, there's a bunch of guys we could talk about, but frankly, no need I, to. I would be ignorant when I, you know, I just don't know about a lot of these guys. Like, so this guy from like Lucas Messina, what's his, wait, what's his? see, I know Luca. Do you? I've spent, I've spent time with Luca. I don't Tell know if he's still Luca. I don't know if he's still on Quicksilver, but I was doing work with Quicksilver 10 years ago. And, Luca uh, so Messina's I, have the mental fortitude to make the cut. I don't think so. I love Luca. It's great. It's a great story to see him like kind of coming from Peru and doing what he's done, surfed in the Olympics. Um, but yeah, you watch his surfing and it's replaceable. You could replace him with name one of 30 guys that are on the QS right now, you know? Yeah. Well, but we'll see. Um, the kind of story that relates to a lot of this you mentioned jake marshall big sponsor shifts in the surf space this past uh 10 days into 2022 which i'm really excited to see some of these brands that we kind of wrote off big brands big conglomerates or brands that are now owned by conglomerates that we expect it that we thought abandoned the surf industry seem to now be reinvesting in the surf space so hurley sponsored the sunset event for the wsl did you see that no. Yeah. So Hurley's back in with Sunset sponsorship. They sponsored Connor O'Leary. They sponsored Jake Marshall. That's his childhood sponsor. So he's back on the Hurley team. They sponsored Gabriella Bryan on the women's side. Uh, the other big one was Chloe Andino. He ended his contract with Hurley a few months ago. He's recently signed with O'Neill. So for a long time, I feel like O'Neill had kind of stagnated and they're back with Chloe. Chloe and Jordy are the two big bets on tour, obviously. 
Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, great. I'm stoked, right? I'm glad these guys are getting some support. This is good. This is a good thing. Well, I'm glad to see surf those iconic surf brands reinvesting in surfing. Yeah. Oh, and Quicksilver, too, is making a move back to Huntington Beach, um, which seems to say that they're reinvesting in uh, the epicenter of surfing. So maybe the surf space. You mean they have not, not the epicenter of surfing, but the epicenter of surf industry. They had moved from that big building in Huntington. Yeah, they. Uh, I forget. They went I bankrupt. They moved, and to, they moved everything to France. Um, like basically all the redundancies that were in the company under the board writers LLC. You know the marketing department, the accounting, all the back end kind of stuff. They consolidated, so they fired all these Southern California people consolidated everything in the south of France and then southwest France and then just recently they've reopened that building and they're starting to hire again here hmm, that's interesting all right yeah. good good stuff um so as it relates to that we could do this real quickly but just an update on the stab surfer of the year thing that they're doing yeah where they interview luminaries in the surf space ask them for their favorite five surfers they assign points to spot one, spot two, spot three, and then they run an ongoing tabulation. And currently, here's the top 10 of the males. John John Florence, Idolo, Gabriel, Kaloe, Mason, Benji Brand is in number six, which is, again, I said it last week, it's a shocker, but it's based on his performance in Snapped 4. Noah Dean, that was an interesting one. Nathan Fletcher's number seven. Jack Robinson, eight, Josh Kerr, nine, Mikey, February, 10, actually tied for 10th with equal points are Mikey, February, Griffin, Colapinto, Peter Mel, um, and Nat Young. Now, the things that stand out to me on this, there's still no Kelly Slater in the top 10. I mentioned that to you last week. There's still no Kai Lenny in the top 10. And further... Hold on for just a sec, because I'm looking at it, and it says January 10th, and it's a slightly different list. Is there a January 11th? Go down to the bottom of the page. You're probably just looking at the individual person's contribution. Down at the bottom is the running tally. Okay, thank you. Um, So no Kai Lenny on the list, obviously no Kelly. The other important thing here is how many 40 40 to 50-year-olds, 45-year-old-plus guys there are. Hold on. There's, there's a major problem here. Tom Curran's uh, not on this list. What happened to Tom Curran, man? He got bumped off last week. That's, he was on last week. I know. Okay, yeah. I'm, I interrupted. Go ahead. Well, he would, he would fit, he would fit what I'm saying, 40 to 50. Yeah, so we've got Pete Mel. We've got Nathan Fletcher. Josh Kerr is probably past the 40 mark at this point. I think that's epic. Yeah. Yeah, good, good for, for these guys. Good for you and all guys. Well, it's inspirational, isn't it? Yeah. It is I mean, when you look at this, you go, uh, uh, I need to tighten up my diet. I need to get on, <laughs> I need to get on the uh the uh workout regime a little bit harder. And I need <laughs> to start riding boards with two fins and more foam. Yeah, and maybe pick up pickleball. Yeah. Oh, why is Josh Kerr pickleballing now too? No, I'm just, just teasing, just throwing some pickleball out there. Um, cool. Well, we'll, we'll revisit that list. I think it should be solidified next week or within this next week. Um, 
hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I want to open the conversation about, or open the door to the conversation about Hawaii. Lots has been going on in Hawaii. Lots of swell uh, this last week. The backdoor shootout ran for two days. The Triple Crown, the digital Triple Crown from Vans is happening stabs running a series called the pickup which is like a weekly news show it's a 30 minute news show that happens every tuesday what have you been watching what's going on uh, i watched a little bit of the pickup and um and i didn't really didn't really grab me too much um um wow the pickup is my favorite weekly show on any streaming platform really that's interesting i, I really I feel- was, well i was kind of put off 
I just feel like Ashton really tries too hard. Oh my gosh. Well, well, yes, yes. I mean, the dynamic Ashton, I mean, I don't want to. It looks like he's on. really trying to, I don't either. So I don't he always has, he always has though. That's the thing he's, and he's finally doing what he's always tried to do, which is hang out with all his, you know, nice. surf celeb buddies, travel the world and get to surf and good for him. But it doesn't look comfortable. That's all. It's yeah. It's a little cringy to watch, but even yeah. better than that to me is how bad Nathan Fletcher looks like he wants to be anywhere else in the world. <laughs> like he's sitting there looking off to the side, just like, I guess I'll answer your question, Ashton. And, or he won't even turn to Ashton. You know, he just looks like he would rather be honestly in death Valley, like in the desert than he would be sitting on the back of that truck. Anyway, I, this is your favorite. Tell me why you like it. So I love the show. I, I haven't, I tried to watch it and I couldn't watch it. That's pretty bad. If I was that embarrassed. dissuaded you, it's a little bad. Okay. Aside from that, the production, the way they structure, the way that they've built the show, they've refined it over the last few years. The structure is fantastic. It's a 30 minute news show about surfing and what's happening on the North shore. Yeah. And um, they do a phenomenal job. They tell you, what the swells are doing, which spots are lighting up, who is out at which spot, which who got the highlight waves at any of those given spots. They do a little medical kind of update with the North Shore Lifeguard Association, give you a couple of tips. They do interviews with surfboard shapers or last week was Harry Bryant about his quiver. This week was John Pizel talking about these kind of subtle differences between Nathan Florence's uh, boards and John John Florence's boards. And these subtle differences, I, I find it to be really, really interesting, you know, and I'm not writing those pointy thrusters that often anymore, but I still just really, really enjoy the nitty kind of detail of that. Um, the, uh, they have a news desk where Pua DeSoto, Dwayne DeSoto's daughter and Tosh Tudor, Josh Tudor's son, read the, the news. Here's what's happening in the surf world this week. That's really good and well done. The show's well written. It's well edited. It's engaging. Again, I find myself the thirty minutes is up, and I'm like, huh, I can't wait till next week. Well, that's cool. Maybe I need to just fast forward. So you know, yeah, definitely. Um, at Pipe, so Pipe was pumping this week. Your boy Ryan Birch is out there. You got a couple sick ones. Sweet. Yeah, I was psyched to see that. Um, the girls at Back Door unbelievable um we yeah. we talk about moana wong at pipe and she has a couple triple crown submissions and that's awesome and she's still killing it but i was surprised to see um coco ho get a couple of sick ones at back door malia manuel got a super sick one she didn't make but packed the clothes out carissa moore of course got a couple of sick ones it made me actually have a lot of faith that if they run in threatening sizable conditions the women's event at pipe the pipe masters that there could be some heroics going down cool i know you know that whole thing with the women that we've been speaking about for a while that, that like this thing's coming it's happening it's kind of been thrust upon us rather quickly which is what we we both intimated that it would that, you know boom this thing's these girls it's time look it's rather quickly after a decade of kind of uh, pregnant pause, you know, like Rochelle Ballard, Kiala Kenley, the stuff that they were doing over a decade ago is still benchmark. And so now this new crop of girls is starting to contend with that. But there was a decade vacuum where we were left wanting. 
there was a couple of girls that surf pipe though. Um, you know, like Sean, uh, Lynn, Lane Davy, Sean Davy's wife. Oh, really? Surf pipe a lot. You know, she was kind of like the, the one lone. I mean, I guess what I was, I was thinking to myself, some of the pioneers, are there women pioneers at pipe, you know, and you mentioned Rochelle and you mentioned for sure Keala and I'm sure there, like maybe Lane Davies in there. I'm sure there's a couple that I don't even know about because I'm not from there, but um, yeah, you know, well, the pioneer women, let's not forget the pioneers. No. Um, so the stab, it's called the pickup. It's a stab premium feature. They post snippets of it and a trailer of it on YouTube, but the full 30 minute episode, you can only get if you're a premium member, but if you want to track what's going on on the North shore day to day, Peter King's Instagram feed is where I would go to do it. Peter King is one of the hardest working men in surf video business he was with Hurley. He was with the WSL. Now he's kind of seems to be freelancing, but he's in tight with everybody. So if Kelly's surfing, Peter gets the call. If John John's surfing, Peter gets the call. And um, he does a phenomenal job of not only posting those guys, a clips, but all of whoever, whoever was shredding is going to get featured on his Instagram in the stories or on the posts. Kalani David's been getting a lot of epic clips wherever the waves are pumping. Um, so check that out. The other thing that was taking place is the Dahui backdoor shootout. Did you watch any of that? I did. I did watch a bunch of the, sorry, I was going to Peter King's website. I mean, Instagram. Um, yeah. Um, I watched it. Let me um, refresh my memory here. So it takes four days. It, was kind it of, takes four days to run the event. They've run two yeah. days thus far. Uh, yeah. And the waves are absolutely pumping. The first day was like perfect, as good as you could get, essentially. And then the second day was bigger and kind of more unruly, I would say. Not as perfect, but still phenomenal waves. This is a team format. And I think that they run the entire team in a heat together. So there's less kind of infighting or paddle yeah. battles or whatever. Yeah. And the teams, the teams, there's no um, strict criteria for how you form a team. Some of them are sponsored teams like Dehui Wax has a team and then Quicksilver has a team. One of them is the Snapped team from the film Snapped 4, Mason Ho, Benji Brand, those guys. And then Florence has a team, you know, a family team because <laughs> they have enough pipe surfers in the family to be a part of that team. Um, and the Peruvian, the Peruvians have a team, right? And then right. there's longboard graphic team, right? Women's team, Kiala Kenley, yeah. Moana Wong. In addition to that, the scoring goes up to twelve. Wow, not eleven. They're just like, you know what, Spinal Tap, screw you. <laughs> I think it used to, to be eleven. I think it used to be eleven, but this year there's twelve. So you know, ten for a perfect ride, eleven for a wave that Mother Nature provides that we didn't even anticipate. And then 12 for the guy who gets that wave that mother nature provides disappears completely. We all think he wiped out or she wiped out and then emerges yeah. after the spin. And Ballerum stack got an 11, right? On that one left. It was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. That's, Everyone's I mean, yeah, that thing's insane. Yeah. And Ballerum seems to do that year after year. It does. It's, it's interesting because I was thinking about like pipe surfers and who gets waves out there and how it all goes down and the, you know, the psychology of the tribe out there. And it's interesting because East coasters, it seems like they have more 
grit, you know, and, and, and again, I'm generalizing. I know that there's West coasters that get waves out there, but when I think about North Americans, not Hawaiians, but guys from the mainland, I don't know what it is. Maybe it falls in, into that, you know, they're hungrier. They're just hungrier. You know, like if you're from Florida or New Jersey, like these guys just put in the time they're willing to take the beatings They're they're a little more blue collar, um, Am I wrong there? Do you think that that's just a, sort of a silly generalization on my part? No, there's something to it. Um, Kelly, the Hobgoods, Ballerum. Um, the list probably goes on from there. Well, who's the who's the redneck cowboy um, from way back in the 80s from Florida? Um, Todd. Um, uh, who am I thinking? You know who I mean. He was I on the CT. No, I, I can't think of it. Redneck Todd. Florida. Yeah, I think is. Oh redneck. yeah, yeah, Todd Holland. Yeah, Todd Holland. Like he he was a charger out there. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not saying look. There's you know Joel's. There's West Coast guys that are, but it just seems like Ballerum has committed to pipeline. Like this is yeah. his like probably his eighth or ninth or tenth season, and he's consistently there as opposed to like you know one year wonder guy shows up and gets one good one and then calls it quits and leaves and you know had his moment of fame at pipe, but. Ballerum is committed to the to the pipe legacy, to the pipe tribe. He's one of them. Some of it could be, I think he's a Volcom rider, right? Or he was at one point. Yeah, no, he, he still is. And that was a gamble to me. When Volcom picked him up, it was when everybody was being dropped. And I was like, you know, the, Volcom could pick anybody they want, essentially, because there's just that much yeah. talent available. And I thought it was a surprising pick for them. And then I thought, well, it is the East Coast thing. Like they need East Coast representation. So that's probably what it is but he's paying off every year, year in and year out. And even if he disappears for nine months and I don't see much of him, he shows up when it matters and gets the waves that matter. So, yeah. Um, the other East coast talent that's charging out there right now is Cam Richards. Yeah. yeah. Year in and year out. Yeah. Um, you mentioned last week, it seemed like completely just out of the blue that, you would love to see somebody like Barton Lynch. You're like, Barton Lynch should be a judge. He's a great commentator, but we need guys like that in the judging booth. Guess who's in the judging booth at the Dahui backdoor shootout? Barton Lynch. No, actually, he's not. But no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, of course he is. Um, Barton Lynch, Flynn Novak, and Dean, Dean Morrison. Oh, that's very interesting. I think it's a, it's a diverse panel, and it's awesome. Yeah. I think those are great picks. I do too. I, I can't speak for, for Dean Morrison really, to be honest with you. I, and I just, you know, I sort of highlight Barton cause we've all heard him break down surfing to the point where it's like, that's the way a judge should break it down. You know, like mm -hmm. why not have him be a judge? Like he's kind of getting, he, he kind of simplifies it too. You know, like it doesn't, he doesn't get too algorithm, you know, not a lot of algorithms going through his brain. He's just like, look, that was a hard turn off the rail, not just off, you know, whatever he might say, you know, I think there's, um, you're right. There could have been other people who'd be a better choice than Dean Morrison, but he's totally qualified to do it as well. Well, I'm not saying he's a bad choice. I just saying, I don't know anything about him as a judge, you know, like I'm not, I'm not saying he's not good. I just, I don't know anything like about him as a judge, but I've seen him charging out there. That's the qualifier. I think. For I them. don't know about that. I, well, maybe I'm not doubting that he doesn't charge. I'm just thinking from a judging standpoint, you know, you know, like I do know. Yeah. If you, if you could, if you could have a perfect judging panel, like if you could just handpick the judges, it Kelly. would be Kelly. 
Barton Lynch. And um, I mean, we know those two, right? And I'm sure there's a couple of other obvious ones where you're like, it's a no brainer. Those guys would be great judges. I would want somebody younger in there as well. A Gabriel Medina. <laughs> Sorry, you guys are off the tour. You're in the judges panel. Yeah. <clears throat> Gabe, you're going to have to sit this year out and judge Idolo versus John John. It's interesting. Maybe Adriano is a guy that, that would be a good judge. I don't know. I, I really don't know. And that's what I mean yeah. about Dean Morrison. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they all surf well, but are they like really combing through the intricacies of every situation? You know, who knows? Yeah. It's a thankless job, to be honest. I would not want to be sitting there for eight hours watching every single wave and having that weight of getting the right calls. Oh, yeah, it's a horrible, horrible job. You know who would be horrible good? Job. Mike Parsons. Yeah. Analytical I mean, mind. Uh, Gino and Dino might be really good. You know, like yeah. he's he, he knows competitive surfing. Yeah. You know, guys like that. So the other two big news stories this week, um, in order, I will say. Nazare, biggest swell of the season. Uh, oh my God. Big and perfect all day from sunup to sundown. And then I mentioned the the Burley Board Riders single fin event. It's a lesser less of a story, but still interesting. What do you got to say about Nazare? I've got a I've got a hot take on Nazare, and it could cause some could cause some issues. I hope not, but <clears throat> dying to hear it. Here's my hot take: every other big wave spot in the world, the surfer does a bottom turn. And if you watch the surfers at Nazare, like Lucas Chumba, these, these incredible professional athletes that put their lives on the line. Don't get me wrong. I'm not doubting their abilities. But I guess what I'm saying is, if you never go to the bottom of the wave, have you really ridden a 100-foot wave? Like, no. to me, you rode a 50-foot wave. You, did, you turned at the 50-foot mark. To ride a 100-foot wave, you got to go down to the bottom of it and do a bottom turn. And that's my hot take, that it's the only big wave in the world where these guys are getting credit for riding 100-foot waves when they're actually not going down to the bottom of the wave and thus not riding a 100-foot wave. They're riding a 50-foot wave. Again, I don't, I don't want to pick. call it spinal tap. I don't know. It's not widely reported. Drummers spontaneously combust, and it's just <laughs> never reported. I'll nitpick slightly, but I agree with your, your sentiment. Okay. Uh, lots of waves at back door. The surfer doesn't go to the bottom of the wave. You know, or, or even at Jaws, Albie Layer knifing in I'm on the ball. about big waves. Back door is so, different. I'm so even about Jaws. Big wave spots, Jaws, right, Jaws. Okay, Pete Mel's wave at Mavericks. He kind of knifed he in. Bottom. He took a mid. He took a mid-face bottom turn. It was kind of a knife. It wasn't a proper bottom turn. You know, it was more of an angled approach. But what you're saying still matters because the fact is there's no bottom at Nazare. It's just a slope. You know, it's just this infinite slope. There's no bottom. Therefore, there's no, or there's no trough, let's say. So there's no way to measure trough to crest. And therefore, it's a totally different thing. And I wouldn't judge it the same way that I would judge a wave at Mavericks or Jaws or anywhere else. You know, what's interesting about what you just said is that as I think back here, because there was one wave that Lucas caught that was just mind-blowing. I put it on my Instagram feed. And it basically measures out to like 102 feet, according to me, unscientific, blah, blah, blah. Cares. I'm not going to nitpick about the size. But he does the turn about, let's call it halfway down the, the wave. He does the turn. 
And he does the turn there because that's where the trough is. The trough is actually halfway. That's where you do the turn. The energy. Get up that's and, where the energy. The, and it's like that, you know, that sort of that top tube, you know, that eye tube up at the top of the wave. Yeah. That's where the trough is. Like, yeah. So if the trough is there, maybe that's where you should measure the wave from, from where they do the bottom turn. And yeah. if they're doing the bottom turn at halfway down the wave, that means the remainder of the wave in front of them isn't really the wave at all. Hot take, so, coming in hot. Look, I guess, how uh, are have you lost interest in Nazare is my question to you, because I saw that that was the day of days. Yeah. And then I see the clip that you're talking about, and I'm like, I know it's only 30 seconds on my phone screen and I have 30 seconds available. I still scroll right past. I go, unless this wave pops up on three or four different accounts, meaning like it's worth the highlight, it's worth my time. It is a highlight wave. I just scroll right past because it's lost my interest as a, as a venue. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll just go watch some skiing, some skiing footage, you know, like I'll watch a guy ski down a 700 foot wave. Yeah, right. center, you know, mountain. Right. And like it is kind of, I, I totally agree with you. There it, it has lost some of its luster. Unless yeah. sadly it's like, hey, look at this car wreck. Right. I might not necessarily watch it. Well, by the way, did you see this movie called The Alpinist? Uh I've no, I've not watched it. I see it advertised on Netflix. I haven't watched it. Oh my god. You gotta watch this movie, dude. All right, I'll do it. The Alpinist. It's friggin' heavy. It's pretty gnarly. It, it's it's mind blowing what this guy does. It's mind blowing. It 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 blows Alex Honnold and Free Solo out of the water. It's the dude who's actually from Nepal, right? I'm not going to tell you anything else. I I think I actually did watch. start watching the first ten minutes and then I got distracted. I'll put it back on. Um, and then and it's on Netflix for anybody who wants to see it. Um, so the one thing that blew my mind though about that day of day at Nazare, yeah day of days. Um, these guys were surfing like from sunup till sundown. Nick Von Rupp said he was in his wetsuit out there in the water for that entirety of that day. What is the average length of your sessions? <laughs> they're, they're very short. Mine the are getting shorter and shorter. Like yeah. 45 minutes. Like Me an too. hour session is like, that's like, you know what I mean? Like, but Mine I'll do me. two or three. I'll do two or three 45-minute sessions, but I don't do two-hour sessions anymore. I can't. Me neither. Me neither. It's so funny. Even when the waves are good, I'm kind of like, it's it's so regimented for me now. Like, it's become a part of my, okay, I get up and I, I do certain, I have a routine and I do certain things. Then I go and I clock in for 45 minutes or an hour. I get my five waves that I needed to get. Okay, check that box. But the reality, I think the reason why I'm operating in that mode is got to get back to the baby, got to answer those emails. I got a bunch of work that needs to get done. The bottles need to get washed. The dishes need to get done. The laundry needs to get done. The grocery store. I have all, and so I can only squeeze in an hour. But the, the, the idea of like spending three hours of like aimless time in the water is so foreign to me now. <laughs> me too, man. I remember those days. Look, we're older, responsible adults. I remember the days of blacks where it was all day long, but that's when you're 22, not 52. I just can't imagine the wrath I'll incur when I get back. Like, Oh my God, I was away from my phone for three hours. Everyone needs me. 
Oh yeah. I have a hundred notifications. What's um, funny about that is it spills over to vacations for me too, for surf trips, brutal. like surf trips, like, like an 11 day trip to Indo is like, Oh my God, I'm going to be gone for 11 days. You know, whereas in the past would be like, hell yeah, let's make it 17 days. Yeah. Now I'm like, you know, it's perfect. Three or four days. I boom, know. boom. Get my three or four days in and come back. And like, I haven't, I'm still sort of checked into life. The plates are still spinning. Yes. Yeah. An 11 day or the amount of work prep to leave, like to keep the plates in the air or whatever would almost n- not make it worth the 11 days. I won't even be able to relax because I have done so much prep. And then the cleanup when I get back is also going to be negate the vacation. Um, real quick, Burley Board Riders single fin event. This is the 25th year that they've been doing it. This is a phenomenal event. I forget about it every year until it happens. Then I see some clips and I'm like, what a cool deal. So the Burley Board Riders Club puts it together. They have to all ride pre-1985 single fins. Um, It's basically celebrating the surf heritage and history of that that era and place. Um, Last year, Quinn Bruce and Dimity Stoyle won. I was thinking, I've never heard of Quinn Bruce before. Imagine having that bragging rights over Brendan Margison. Joel Parkinson is in the event. Brad Gerlach's in the event. Like that is epic, you know, like just presumably Quinn Bruce is just working a regular job. He's a great sur- local surfer. And he probably had his heyday in the eighties when he was riding that style of boards. And he goes out there and bests all of his idols. It's an epic story. This year, Matty Job won. Quinn Bruce got second. Micah Margison. I think that's Brendan Margison's son. Uh, third and uh yeah epic event looked like an epic event i heard the commentary was all time jed smith stace galbraith and rabbit in the booth um cool knocking back tins getting loose Uh-oh. Having a good time. <laughs> oh okay that sounds interesting yeah good. i heard it was yeah, awesome I'm, i bet it was and i'm a big fan of of that whole australian thing you know Board as a kid, culture in the 70s, those points, Rabbit Bartholomew, those guys were my heroes. Rabbit Bugs to this day is like the guy. Like he's like totally. kind of like he's like my guy. Like I his whole vibe, his all the media that they put out on him, the free ride, the whole thing. Um, just bugs. He was the shit. Great style. Yeah yesterday maybe late last night jamie brissick posted that photo of him pulling into the shore break at i want to say it's probably like aukai or something do you remember this photo no i'm I'm gonna send it to you right now um it's such an epic photo is it all bug style yeah yeah um wearing white trunks on a single fin lightning bolt um there you are just like a macking shore break, you know, like caught the wave on the outside, it hit the inside sandbar and he pulls in and the thing's like three times larger behind him as it is in front of him. But it's just so cool looking. Did you get it? I I'm opening it right now. And it's just a photo. Of, oh yeah. This is an old shot. The Jeff, Jeff this... divine photo. Yeah. 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 This is an old shot. I thought this was going to be, rabbit no. yesterday at Aikai or something no 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 oh yeah this is a great shot yeah yeah you know has another shot like this is um art brewer has a series of shots that are kind of similar to this anyway 
Yeah, um, love that whole vibe. Great shot. Uh, so I've got a musty moment, a duke and a kook. Do you have anything else? No, no, that's that's all I got. So my must-see moment actually hit the internet on January 2nd, but I didn't get a chance to watch it until yesterday. It's called This Is Mikey February. And it's um edit of Mikey, nine-minute long edit of Mikey surfing, yeah. edited yeah. by Dane Reynolds himself. Right, right. Did you watch? No, I'm, I saw it on, I've been on stab this morning and it was on my things to watch. You need nine minutes to watch it. It is worth every moment. Um, Mikey February has it all, dude. Like I know a lot's been said about him in this past year. I undersold him when he was on tour, certainly. And even in recent years, I'm like, yeah, I get it, but whatever. This edit proved me wrong. Like the first port, first of all, it's all in Mexico. It was filmed when they, when stab was down there doing the stab 100 trip. So Dane was there. Mikey's there. This is a bunch of free surf footage of Mikey. So it's all right hand point breaks, which we got tired of at the time, but it was worth watching now. The first thing that we see is Mikey riding a pointy thruster. So for the first two or three minutes, and it seeing guys on longer railed boards is so refreshing. When we're in the era that we're in now, where people are riding a lot of alternative craft, to see somebody with a little bit more rail line is awesome. And Mikey really knows how to get the most out of the rails. So um, I, I loved every minute of this. Yeah, I'm a big fan um, and I'm watching it right now and um, looking forward to seeing some it's, surfing here. It's one long jazz track as the soundtrack oh, and it suits it really well. Oh, cool. One thing I'll say about it is um, you, I was watching it thinking, why is this so compelling to me? Like he's on a right hand point break and his approach is the same on every single wave. Yet what he ends up doing on each wave is different. And so why, why does this never get boring to me? Like, it, and it reminded me of watching Taylor Knox when I was young. Taylor Knox had the same exact approach on every wave that he got. It was power-based, it was bottom turn, and then aim up either for the lip or you know, for the open face rail, but he's going through the exact same motions every time. And depending on what the wave does, then he slightly undulates into a different turn. Maybe it slides a little bit. Maybe it's more rail this time or that time, but there's something so relatable as the viewer, as this is how you surf, you set the yeah. line, you have this fundamental. And then regardless of what the wave does, your core is strong, your fundamentals are strong, and you will be able to kind of react in that moment. And Mikey February isn't the same power surfer that Taylor Knox is, but the fact that his approach is exactly the same every time he stands up is what reminds me of Taylor. Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I mean, I got it all queued up here and I'm going to, I'm going to give it a spin and check it out. So I'm looking forward to that. By the way, we got a lot of email from people, or I did, um, various uh, various ways of getting a hold of me that Caitlin Simmers is from Oceanside. She's neither from Hawaii nor from Ventura as as we offered last week. So Caitlin Simmers from Oceanside. There's quite a contingent of Oceanside residents that wanted us to get that make that clear. Good. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. My Duke is kind of a sh 
out of the blue too, uh, Crosby Colapinto. Mm. Crosby's been making inroads this past year. He was in Chloe Andino's film. Anytime he shows up, I'm kind of surprised how good he serves. And he's in Hawaii right now and he's doing it again. Like he's dropped a couple of clips that I'm like, holy crap. Like he is the real deal. I'm a big yeah. fan. Yeah. It'd be fun to see him on tour. Yeah. Big shoes to fill. He's tall. He's lanky. People are have compared his style to kind of Andy Irons. Um, I'll just say that. I don't say whether I confirm or deny it, but I will say that. And uh, yeah, he's delivering the goods, a big Hawaii surf right now. My kook of the week is one Noah Dean who got denied entry into Hawaii from, he flew from Australia, landed in Hawaii and was denied entry. Apparently he had the wrong visa and uh, it's a kook move. Your career depends on this. This is what you're paid to do. You should be in Hawaii for those two months. So kook of the week. Wow. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Well, look, um, anything else? I would like to give some love to our longtime partner, Neat Essentials, neatessentials.com. Uh, I love them. I wear them every single day. The wetsuit and then the jacket that Scott's showing off. Talk so the camera jacket is a, The jacket is through the roof, warm. It's my go-to winter fluffy. It's got the killer little hoodie. Right here, yep. bada bing, dude. Are you uh, kidding me? I'm in my little hovel in here. It's like 40 degrees. And with this jacket, it's all good. Um, I had a buddy who does, or have a buddy who does lobster diving. And he's like, yeah, I just freaking, I don't have a hood. It's kind of cold. I'm like, boom, need a, I went that afternoon, neatessentials.com, ordered a hood, uh, balaclava type hood, sent it to him. Didn't even tell him it showed up on his doorstep. I mean, honestly, two days later. And uh, so they've got everything you need. Nothing you don't. Heck yeah. Neatessentials.com. Neatessentialsusa.com. Awesome, Scott. Okay. Good show. Yes. Good show. And then uh, until next time, David, adios and aloha. I'm not ashamed to say it always will stay this way my hat is off won't you stand up and take a bow and if you threw a party invited everyone you knew well you would see the biggest gift would be for me and the card attached would say thank you for being a friend Stand up and take a bow
Thank you for being a. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.